Welcome, y'all can have a seat. Welcome to Midtown West. Glad to have you here and Happy New Year to everyone. My name is Nick Pilkington. I'm an elder here in Midtown. And uh, Matt and Evan and Shannon, three of our key staff people, are all on vacation this week, so you won't see them up here today. But um, we're glad to have you with us, whether you've been here for many years worshiping with Midtown or it's your first time, we thank you for coming. And um, hopefully this is a rich time of worship to start the new year together. And uh, initially, I'm going to have my daughter Neely here with me for the announcements. So um, we've got three. Explore Midtown starts here soon. Uh, as you see, that is, that is a way that uh, you can learn more about Midtown, about our church. It's also the path for membership. So if you're wanting to join as a member of our congregation, we encourage you to, to go do that. Or if you just want to learn more about Midtown, what we're about, uh, what we believe, then that is a wonderful time to get involved in. You can sign up. I think there's some QR codes on the wall in the back. Uh, there's ways, if that doesn't work, just find me or Jess and we'll help you get connected. There's also weekly prayer gatherings. We've been doing this since COVID. Um, we kind of launched that during that time as a way to continue to connect. And it's been a rich blessing for, for many people in our body to weekly gather, to pray, to encourage one another. Uh, so. Feel free to join. If you don't have that link, you can get that on the connect QR code in the wall in the back and uh, just pop on there and you can sit quietly, listen to other people pray. Um, you can pray whatever the Lord puts on your heart, but feel free to join with that. And then giving, we wanna celebrate that. The Lord has been very generous and kind to our young congregation. To, to meet the needs through this body. And it's an act of worship that he calls us to. So thank you for worshiping the Lord in this way. Uh, that's it for announcements. All right, you want to head? So um, I'll pray for us as we get started here in the word this morning. Lord, I thank you for a new year and turning the page. I thank you for uh, this body that you have gathered together, that we are all here because you ordained it to be so, that we would be here to worship you this morning, uh, to be encouraged, to, uh, to learn more about who you are. And so I pray that in, in all the things from singing to sharing testimonies to hearing from your word, that um, this body would be built up. Uh, as you would see fit, and that your spirit would be here and present and moving among us today. Amen. So we are going to be, um, and again, my name is Nick Pilkington. I'm the one who's filling in for Matt today, so I'll be uh, giving us a short sermon. <laughs> yes, the Bennetts are excited about that. Um, and then we're going to have some people come up and share some testimonies about the way the Lord has been working in their lives this year. But the passage that we're going to be in is in Ephesians 4. And before we read that, I just want to kind of set the scene. If you've been a part of uh, our small groups, you know how that goes, is we typically set the scene. We read through the scripture, we, we share the scripture, and we ask some questions. And so I'm comfortable with that. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, so setting the scene in Ephesians 4, the, the book that we're reading from is a letter from Paul to a young church in the city of Ephesus. And if you remember earlier in the year, we spent time going through the book of Acts and we got to Acts 19. And that's where we last kind of visited the city of Ephesus, that Paul was in that town. He was preaching the word and it was so radically transforming the lives of these new believers in this young church that it was threatening the way of livelihood for the city itself. 
And so they rioted in an effort to, to, to get Paul out of there. They wanted to kill him because of the changes that were happening. And so Paul's friends, and you can go read that or listen to the sermons from that time, uh, Paul's friends get him out of there safely. He continues on his missionary journeys, but eventually it leads to him being in Rome in prison. And this is a letter that he wrote back to these young believers to build them up, to encourage them. And so the first three chapters, which I would encourage you to read, are just dripping with the beauty of God's grace and the wonders of his goodness towards us, that he has come and rescued us, brought us from death to life, that he wiped away all of our sins, and not only that, he gave us his own righteousness. And Paul is very, very clear as he says, this is not a result of your works, so that no one may boast. It is a gift of God. And so that is a beautiful portion that in chapter three, he's just expounding over and over about the wonders and the glories of God's grace and mercy and the gospel of Jesus Christ for us. And then in chapter four, he makes a transition. And so that's where we find ourselves today. We're in this transition. We just had Christmas where we talk about gifts. We receive gifts and give gifts. And then we're turning the page in the new year. And so that's where chapter four is. Paul is turning the page. He's saying, now that all of that is true for you, what do you do with it? What is the gift? And that's the questions we're going to ask. What is the gift that we receive from Christ? Why does he give it? What's the, what's the purpose of it? And what do we do with these gifts? And so that's where we're headed today. So Jonathan Simino is going to come up and read our passage for us. Ephesians 4, 4 through 16. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. All right, if you pray with me before we dive in. 
King Jesus, Lord, I pray that you come, that you send your spirit among us this morning, that um, as I feel um, incapable of uh, doing what I think I'm supposed to do, that I know that you can do it through me and through us, that uh, anything that um, we share or say or do today that is from you, that your spirit would drive it deep into the hearts of all who hear, that it would take root and grow and uh, produce wonderful fruits for your kingdom, for your glory, Jesus. Anything that is said that um, that is false or um, that uh, is from me or anyone else and not from you, that you would let it die on the floor here, fall on deaf ears, and that it would be swept away and clean. I thank you that you can do all this and more. Amen. So I know that was kind of a long passage, but um, I'm going to try to imagine this like a gift that I'm going to try to help us unwrap and take a look at. And uh, I think about my kids getting a, a big box of Legos for Christmas. And imagine if, if, they just, if we just gave them a bag of Legos and that was it, they'd be excited, but it's quite different if they just get the bag versus what they got when it's a box that has this wonderful picture on it that shows this really cool Star Wars Imperial light cruiser on the front. And they're going, yes, that's what it's gonna be. It's not just a bag. And then also included with it is, is some instructions on, okay, how do I take all these pieces and, and turn it into this wonderful gift? So that's what we're gonna walk through today in these questions that we talked about. So just to set the scene too, and I think Christ through Paul does something a little strange here. First, he goes into talking about and referencing this passage from, from Psalm 68. He says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who has descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That passage, when I first read through this, I kind of skimmed over it, and I kept coming back to it. Was, what is Paul doing here? Why is he talking about the ascension? And we're in this in-between time right now. If we just celebrated Christmas, which is what Paul's calling the descension, that's when Christ descended to earth and became a, a man in flesh. He took on flesh to do all those wonderful things. And then Easter's right around the corner. We'll be celebrating that before we know it, where we have this resurrection the death and the resurrection of Christ. But Paul's bringing in, as he's talking about these gifts, the ascension. And um, just as I thought about the ascension, my first thought was, um, well, that doesn't get much airtime. Yeah, bad dad joke, right? <laughs> um, but then as I thought about the ascension, all I could think of was, was like the Monty Python skit of, of Christ slowly floating into air for a very extended period of time, given like the pageant wave. It's like this really awkward goodbye among his closest friends that just goes on and on. Uh, but, but Paul is bringing that in and saying, no, this has value and power to change everything. That Christ's ascension was not just this weird moment that we picture, but it was his lifting up to rise up to, to be seated on the throne of power over all the cosmos, that he is in victory. 
and that he will come again to fully fulfill all things. And in the meantime, he is on his throne, ruling over all sin, all darkness, all death. And from that position is where he sends us his power and his gifts, that the church itself would be the demonstration of that filling and all. And how does he do that? That's what, that's what we're in with the gifts. The gifts that he gives us in verses 11 and 12, he says, and he gave from his seated throne in the heavenly realms, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So as I've read over this many times through the years, I always thought of the gifts being purely those people. And I think that's the way I've lived out Christianity for most of my life, is Matt, who's our lead pastor, Evan is our executive director, Shannon heading up Kid Town, Jess being our worship, that they are these gifts and it's their job to do the work that they build up and encourage this body. But as I went back and spent more time in this passage, those are gifts, but the true gift is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That the Lord Jesus is saying, I equip you, the body. I use these as tools to help do that, but the true gift is that equipping, that you have what you need, that we each individually have what we need to do the work of ministry. That it's not up to the professional paid pastors, ministers to do ministry, it's up to us. That's what Christ is calling us, that's the picture of this gift. And when that's working correctly, when the pieces go together, why does he give them? The picture that's on the box of the Legos, Paul contrasted in two ways, one he says, currently where we're at in the state of immaturity. He calls, including himself, he says, we are all children. We're tossed to and fro. We're deceived by lies. And it's a mess. But he says, that's not where we're staying. The picture of where we're going is that we would no longer be like that. That we would be like an oak, rooted, firmly established, drawing on the wellspring of Lord, who is the fountain of living water. That's the beautiful picture. He paints this over and over about this unity, this oneness of the body, that whether you're five years old or you're 85 years old, whether you're a brand new believer, whether you've been a believer for as far back as you can remember, whether you're man, woman, whatever your sexual orientation, whatever your sins that you struggle with, all of it, he's saying, that is what I bring together into unity and faith and maturity. So I want to unite this family into a new body that Christ is the head and being built up. That is the picture that all the cosmos that have been torn apart, that Christ sits in authority over. He's saying, you, the church, are the picture of that being knitted back together. That's the picture on the box of this gift that we're opening. Which begs the question is, well, how, how do we do that? That sounds wonderful, but where do we go from here? What do we do? And in chapter 15, or verse 15 of chapter four, 
Paul hits on this. He says, rather, so rather, rather than being children tossed to and fro, rather than all the, the sin, uh, effects of sin and the fall, this new picture, instead of that, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And the key phrase that I heard in there that Paul's giving us, that I think the Lord Jesus is giving us today is speaking the truth in love. That's the directions that he gave us. He says that if each one of us, our job is to be in relationship with one another in a way that we can speak the truth in love. That that is the instruction book to build this kingdom that he's painting the picture of, of unity and maturity, is speaking the truth in love to one another. That you are the gifts to one another. That Christ's spirit flowing through you to equip you to speak the truth in love. When we're all tempted, at least I am, very much to, to sit back and go, I'm not sure if what I'm saying is right here, so I'm just going to be quiet and listen. When the Lord may be calling me to speak into something out of love with truth. And so when we make resolutions for the new year about bettering ourselves, spending more time in scripture, exercising all the other things that we're gonna do is the Lord's saying that is not an end in and of itself. It's to equip you. I've given you these resources and these tools to equip you to do that together, that the body itself is what grows the body. And so it has to be done together or it's not gonna work. That's where we're headed. And so this made me think of a passage from Jeremiah 2.13. So the Lord had sent this prophet Jeremiah to talk to his people and to rebuke them. And it says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. It really summed up uh, for me what, what this looks like when it's not done properly is that the Lord is saying, I am a fountain of living water for you to drink deeply from, to be refreshed, to receive that gift, and to call others to. And our tendencies are to do what they were doing then, of what God's people have been guilty of for generations, that we would hew, hew out cisterns for ourselves. What that is is a vat that you dig, a pit, to collect runoff water. And he's saying, the Lord is saying, you prefer that because you think that provides security for you. You think that provides some sort of self-assurance that you could dig out this pit and collect your own water to live off of. And what it really is, is a, is a cesspool. It's filthy, disgusting water that can't sustain you, that can't last. And it's broken. It can't even hold the water that it's meant to hold. But he's calling to say, I am the living water, so come drink deeply of me and do that by speaking the truth and love to one another to call each other back to these living waters. And so as an example of that, as we head out on this, into this new year, we're going to have a few people from our body come up. So I'd invite y'all if... if you know who you are, so come on up. We're going to have four people that are sharing some of the ways over this past year how the Lord has been doing this in their lives. 
how he has used the gifts of his word and truth in the body to help them through this year. And I pray that this would encourage us and that we would see this as an example of exactly that, that they are attempting to speak the truth in love for our body and that through our small group ministry, through one-on-one times together, grabbing coffee, lunch, dinner together, being in the prayer time on Thursday mornings, that these would all be times throughout this year that our body is being knit together in unity. So I'm going to pray for them as they do that. And if that's not true for you, if you're not connected in that way, come find one of us. We would love to help you do that. So pray over you all. Lord, would you calm the, uh, the hearts and the nerves of my sisters and brothers here? And would you empower them with your spirit to speak truth and love through their own testimony that would point to your goodness and your glory and your kindness in their lives. And may that stir it up in all of our hearts to remember how you've done that for each one of us and that we would confidently head into the new year knowing that um, you will continue to do that. Amen. You're going to kick us off and pass it down. Cool. All right, good morning, everyone, um, and Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Matthew Johnson, um, and I wanted to start to say by saying how honored I am to get to share with you all a brief bit about um, my year and experiencing God's faithfulness um, over the past year. So I consider myself extremely blessed to have grown up in the church. I can't remember a time in my life that I didn't know our loving Father. God has blessed me immensely. Because of this, there aren't many times throughout my life that made me feel as if I ever really needed God. Sure, I had worries in high school and college about a big big exam coming up or working to find my first job out of college. But in my mind, these were things that I felt I really had control over. I could stay up all night studying for an exam or I could do extracurricular activities in order to make my resume look better than other applicants. In my mind, seemingly having control over these things made me the creator of my world. It wasn't until this year that I was faced with something that was completely out of my control. My wife Allison and I decided a couple years back that we wanted to start a family. However, we discovered that we had fertility issues that would bring our chances of starting a family naturally to slim to none. It rocked our worlds. I think the hardest part for me was not feeling like I had any control of the situation. All my life, I felt that if I wanted something, there was something I could do to get it. But this was a situation in which I couldn't. Because I like to have control of every aspect in my life, I began searching for answers as to why this wasn't working for us. It was a dark hole I went down, and I came to the conclusion that it was because God was mad at me and he was using the situation to get back at me. The shame that came along with this idea was unbearable. I quickly began thinking back of all my past transgressions and said, well, if I don't do this thing anymore, I don't do that thing, we'll be able to get through this. Through conversations with Matt and my small group, I was told how crazy of a notion this was, but I still didn't quite believe it. I had to have a logical explanation of why this wasn't working. Shortly after, I read Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, and one chapter in particular stood out to me. 
I will never cast out. The chapter begins with John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. It goes on to say in that book, we do not come to a set of doctrines. We do not come to a church. We do not even come to the gospel. All of these are vital, but most truly we come to a person, to Christ himself. Then it clicked. I realized that through this time in my life, God was calling me to him calling me to let go of my tendency to want to control different aspects in my life. So I listened. I let go and came to know God in a more intimate way than I had ever felt before. I could feel his grace and love surrounding me, which helped me release my shame and sadness. I began to feel my anger, shame, and sadness turn into happiness, joy, and hope. Jesus tells us in John 16, that in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Through this difficult experience, God showed me that I can't control everything, nor does he want me to. I began to reflect on my life and discovered that his faithfulness has been following me all of my days. Through that same unyielding faithfulness, He's blessed us with a little girl that will be here in April, and we couldn't be more grateful. That's it. That's all I got. So thanks for listening, and Happy New Year again. All right. Hey, everybody. My name is Hugh Dillon, and I really wanted what I'm about to say to be something impressive. But when I went through how I spent my time in 2022, I spent most of it trying to get approval from other people, and today was shaping up to be no different. I want you all to think that I'm smart, witty, funny, good-looking if I'm lucky. (laughs) But the theme of my last year has been, what does that gain me? What do I get if you think all of those things about me? I often believe that 100% of my time, all of it, needs to be focused on things that will get me the most respect and acclaim. Things like work, social status, money. And I also believe the mundane stuff in my life won't give me those things. Laundry won't get me promoted. Changing my daughter's diapers is not going to get me any life-changing opportunities. Money doesn't grow on trees. Yard work won't make you richer. The mundane isn't going to move me further along in the game of life. And when you get to the end of the year, you can't say, I mowed the grass 10 times this year and expect anyone to want to be just like you. My goals for 2022 were like many years before it. Preserve what respect or comfort I have and accumulate more if possible. And I'm pretty embarrassed to sit up here and admit that that's how a lot of my time was spent last year. But worse than embarrassment, my efforts really did not pay off. I rarely felt comfortable or respected. I got promoted in March, thought now I'll be more comfortable, and I wasn't. And my life changed for the mundane when we had a baby in July. I've already mentioned the diapers, but you do literally everything to care for that baby. Babies can't even hold their heads up. I love her so much, and there was still a part of me who thought, well, now I'll have nothing to bring to the table because no one would be interested in what I'm doing right now. I no longer had the time to focus on the grind, but it was really interesting, and I was surprised to feel free instead of trapped. When I focused on the grind, no one really thought better of me. And when I did the mundane things, people liked me anyway. And I wasn't able to reconcile these facts until God stepped in. 
the times that I've felt the most free in the last year have been when I let God be the source of my approval and value and not other people. The thing about being a Christian is that I don't change myself. God changes me. He was especially kind in 2022 to show me the freedom of letting go of what I think will make me happy. But I need constant reminders of this. Even today, I still couldn't help thinking in the back of my mind, what will people think of this? What will they like what I have to say? And I wish I could sit up here today completely changed, a man who will never seek the approval of other people again. But I'm not, and that's okay. When I think of the people in my life that I want to be like, others, people, other people's approval doesn't really stick to them. Their approval is from the Almighty God, and that is enough. They're free, free to enjoy the things that God has given them, even when they're mundane. All I can do is proclaim the absolute freedom that's in Jesus, even if I don't believe it all the time. I still get trapped in this regularly, and God gave me small amounts of freedom in 2022 by showing me that these aren't the things that make me valuable. So I'm looking forward to more of that freedom and more diapers in 2023. Good morning. My name is Haley Baker. Um, my husband, Toby, is right there. He just walked in with my son, Thomas. Um, I apologize in advance if y'all have ever sat by us in church. One of three things is bound to happen. We're either walking in late, I'm laughing at one of Matt's jokes that nobody else thinks is funny. <laughs> or, yeah, like whoever just did that. <laughs> or uh, my son Thomas is burping or passing gas like a grown man. All three of those things are my husband's worst nightmare. So. Um, yeah, accept my apologies now. Um, when I think back on God's faithfulness this year, I have to go back to 2021. Um, in 2021, I was very despondent in my career. I was discouraged by what felt like never-ending shut doors and rejection. And I felt stuck in an unhealthy work environment. I kept hearing the Lord tell me to be patient, but going to work every day was a struggle. In October 2021, that hopelessness began to change in the same room. One Sunday, a woman in our congregation bravely shared her story of sexual assault and God's faithfulness and healing from that trauma. Like most people in the room that day, I felt sick to my stomach and a great grief and anger over what she had to go through. But God also used her story to plant a seed in my own story. I don't know what Matt preached on that morning because... Um, throughout that whole sermon, I just heard this voice in my head saying, these are the kinds of cases you need to work on. Over the next few months, I felt the seed grow into the Lord's clear direction to start my own firm, specializing in cases of sexual assault. So almost exactly one year ago, I had quit my job and I opened the virtual doors to my own law firm with five years of experience after um, graduating from law school, which was crazy, and by the world's standards, um, it's definitely crazy, um, but I was so excited to be working on something I was passionate about. Um, I didn't even care if it failed because I was just excited to do what I cared about. At least I thought I didn't care if it failed, um, but that all, my world was rocked a couple weeks after opening my firm when I found out I was pregnant. Um, I want to approach this delicately. 
because I know a lot of people in here may struggle with infertility, but um, I want you to feel the freedom to feel angry at, at this part of my story, but um, when I found I was pregnant, I was not excited. Um, I felt a lot of shame and disgust and anger that, at what was happening in my body. And the reason for that was I just thought that being pregnant meant the law firm would fail. If I had known I was pregnant, I never would have quit my job. Um, I never would have gone out on my own. And so in my mind, there was no way the two of these things could coexist. It was either the law firm is successful or I'd be a mom. The two could not happen at the same time. Um, and thankfully, the Lord brought a lot of people in my life to speak encouragement into me at that time. And I had to pray for the Holy Spirit to intercede for my baby because for the whole first trimester, I couldn't do it myself. Um, sorry. By the end of February, the Lord was slowly changing my heart toward the baby, but I was still very fearful about work. I didn't have any clients yet, and Toby and I had already risked a lot of money. Though I never did this for the money, I knew for it to be a realistic career choice, the firm would have to bring in some revenue. My growing belly felt like a ticking time bomb that would go off in September, and I had doubts every day. Uh, the Lord continued to remind me of the story of Abraham, though, who obeyed the Lord's call to leave his home, though he knew not where he was going. Fast forward to the end of June, and the Lord immensely blessed the firm. By the end of June, we had settled two cases that covered overhead, not just for this year, but for many years to come, and as well as many more cases in the pipeline. Sorry. But more importantly than that, the Lord helped me steward my gifts, advocate for women, and play a part in their story of getting some justice on this side of heaven. God was so gracious to make all this happen before the baby came. It gave me the freedom to take some time off after he was here and heal and take care of my baby. As I reflected on this year, I wept and laughed in thinking about God's faithfulness. Now I can't imagine this year any other way. Please don't misunderstand my testimony to mean that God is faithful because he blessed my firm or my work this year. He would be just as good and just as faithful if the law firm fails today or tomorrow or if I never got any clients. The Lord is faithful because he was there with me in every crevice of every valley I've been in the last two years. He's faithful to empathize with every thought, emotion, and feeling I've had and not be angry with my humanity and sin. He's faithful to use his people to minister to me and provide me with the encouragement I can't muster. He's faithful to remain patient and unchanging when I'm a roller coaster. He's faithful to hold me, go before me, and lead me with his righteous right hand. He's faithful to write a story that's more beautiful and lovely than we could ever imagine. He's, sorry. This is my worst nightmare, crying. <laughs> He's hid me in behind him for great is our God's faithfulness. Thank you. 
Hi, my name is Rachel Simon. Um, I've been at Midtown for maybe about a year and a half now. Um, yeah, the Lord has been really faithful to me in 2022, so I feel excited to get to share that with y'all today. Um, sitting down to write this, though, it really f felt impossible to try to summarize that. Um, throughout the last year, my life has changed in almost every aspect. I started graduate school, I moved into a new house, I met an entirely new group of friends, um, and as a person, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm just now meeting myself. So to say that God's been faithful <clears throat> this last year is a huge understatement. Growing up, I went through a lot. I experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of neglect in my family, and because of that, I've always felt very alone. Um, I've often been the only person I can rely on, and even worse, I had to protect myself from the people I should have been able to rely on. And because of that, entering adulthood has been really hard. I've resented my friends for having the family that I wish I had. I've been jealous of others' ability to be happy, and I've been really scared that I would always feel sad and like God was withholding. But this week, I look back at an early journal entry from 2022, and I'd written that I was so tired of bearing the burden of healing from my story by myself. And I asked God to enter that space while also acknowledging that I was really scared for him to do that. My needs for love, care, and belonging went unmet for so long that honestly, I often don't trust him. And yet this year, I have felt those needs be met for the first time. God surrounded me with incredibly safe community in 2022. And people here in Nashville have loved and cared for me in a deeply healing way. They've genuinely celebrated me and taught me to do that for others. They've made me laugh showing me how to experience connection through humor and bits that I don't understand. <laughs> um, they've respected me and voiced their trust in my character and relationship with the Lord. They've pushed me to enjoy life in new ways, convinced me to try things like 90s cover band concerts and hip-hop classes. <laughs> and most importantly, they've shown up for me in the hard parts of my story. One of the most meaningful moments of 2022 for me was hosting a family-style dinner on the anniversary of what feels like the day I lost my biological family. And looking around at a table of 14 people willing to show up for me, I felt held, seen, and cared for in my grief. And I've prayed for that feeling for years, and I don't understand why it took so long to get it, and there's a lot of anger in that. And I'm incredibly grateful to have it now. Entering 2023, I find myself living into who God made me to be. I'm learning about my sense of humor. I'm learning about my deep empathy for people. I'm learning how to be proud of who I was, am, and am becoming. This Tuesday, I will resign from a job that I've resented for the last three and a half years, something that I never thought I'd have the courage to do. And yet, it's the safety and care of my community here 
that's helping me begin the new year with that step of faith. And I am just so excited and terrified to see what happens next.